Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what's his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. <clears throat> I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Val, for that reading. Just before we come and I give my talk, let us just pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this truth that we have before us. I pray that you prepare our hearts and minds to receive this truth. Reveal yourself to us through your word now. Amen. So, as most of you are probably aware, the sermon series this autumn term is on the book of Exodus. Last week, Tim gave us an introduction to the series, sort of highlighting how the events described in this book are going to be a foreshadowing of God's ultimate rescue for his people through his son, Jesus Christ, as described in the Gospels. It is always important for us to remember that the God to whom we've just prayed a moment ago, 
the one we learn about in the New Testament, that God, our God, is exactly the same God as the one we read about here in Exodus chapter three. Today's talk that kicks off this series is entitled, The God Who Commissions His Leader. And I'm hoping that by the end of it, we will have learned a little more about our God and his character. For although the passage is about Moses, God's chosen leader, we in fact learn a lot more about God from it. So please keep your passage open in your Bibles, Exodus chapter 3, verse 1, page 57. But before we delve into Moses and the burning bush, let's just remind ourselves of where we are and where God's people are in the context of this passage. God's people, the Israelites, are in Egypt having fled from famine. They are living under the rule of a new pharaoh, and we, think, we see that things are not going so well for them. In chapter one in Exodus, they are oppressed and enslaved. Pharaoh decrees that all the Israelite boys that are born must be killed but by the actions of Moses' mother, he is saved, and by a miraculous turn of events, we see that he is raised as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, but still nursed by his real mother. Although he is brought up as an Egyptian and educated as one, his mother has also taught him about God and who he is. We see in chapter two how Moses is concerned for his people but that his own attempt at dealing with the injustice that they face is not exactly what God wants. Moses ends up killing an Egyptian and in fear of his life, he flees Egypt and settles in a place called Midian. There he marries, he settles down, he has a family and he lives his life as a shepherd. And at the end of chapter two, verse 23, just before we get to today's passage, we hear how the Israelites are crying out to God in their slavery and how God hears their cry. And so we come to chapter three, where we see the unfolding of God's plan to save his people. And it starts with Moses, the shepherd, going about his work. In verse one, we see him tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. Acts chapter seven tells us that 40 years have passed since he first settled in Midian. 40 years as a shepherd. So this was just another ordinary day in the life of Moses. But it wasn't going to be just another day. For as we read in the next few verses, we learn how God makes himself known to him. Verse two says, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that Moses had gone, to look, go, gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Our God here, 
who seems almost unapproachable at first because of his holiness, has come down to earth to save his people. The first point I want to make and draw out of this passage is that our God is a God of compassion. The verses at the end of chapter 2 which precede this passage tell us why God is revealing himself to Moses. God is unfolding his plan for his people because he cares for them. Take a look at verse 7 with me. Chapter 3, verse 7, it says, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians, to bring them up out of the land and into a good and spacious land. God had indeed heard their cry. They did not have to call on God in order to provoke his response. He heard before they had even called. Their God, our God, is not an uncaring God. He is not far off and removed from his people. He is concerned to see them suffering and has come down to rescue them. And as you stand back and see this story in light of the reality we know today, you can see where this is leading as God's plan of salvation is rolled out through history. We can see how God revealed himself through Jesus for his people. The word became flesh and he dwelt among us. For as the writer of the Hebrew says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. We have a God who hears our cries, a God who knows our suffering, a God who has come down to save us. He is not an impersonal God. He is a God who is actively caring for his people, as we see here in Exodus, as we see here throughout history, and as we see here today. Along with a God of compassion, we also have a God of commission. This whole section in chapters three and four is about God's call to Moses to be his leader to the Israelites. In verse 10, God gives his instruction to Moses. He says, so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God reveals his plan and assigns Moses his role in it. God will deliver his people just like he has promised, and he will do it through Moses. But this is not God passing the buck. This is God doing his work in spite of us. Look back at God's call to Moses in verse seven. It says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people. I have heard them, I am concerned, and so I have come to rescue them. Don't you see, it is entirely about God. This is the tremendous truth. When he commissions leaders, when he calls us to serve him in whichever way that might be, it is God that does the work. Yet we still have a part to play. We don't just sit back, God wants to use us. And as we see here, he uses who he chooses to use. Here, the man he has chosen to lead his people out of slavery is Moses, a shepherd 
in the desert, a murderer on the run. But who better to lead God's people? Moses will need to lead Israelites, and we know he was brought up by his mother, who has taught him about God. Moses has shown concern for his people, even if he went about it in the wrong way. But Moses will also need to deal with Pharaoh and the Egyptians. But we know that he was brought up as one of them too. He was educated as one of them. A shepherd in the desert tending his flock for 40 years was not wasting time. Who better to guide the straying Israelites through the wilderness? God had been preparing Moses for this task all his life, even though Moses was not aware of it. And he's been preparing each of us too. I heard a talk recently where the speaker gave a wise warning. He said that we mustn't despise our past. We should not resent it if we have had to work really hard to get to where we are today, or if things have been handed to us on a plate. God uses our past for his future work, so we should accept that and be ready to respond to his call. We should be encouraged that it is God who is doing the work. When we seek to share our faith with those around us, when we serve our brothers and sisters in church, and when we seek to live our lives as Christians in our workplace, it is God who works through us. But Moses misses this point. At this moment in Exodus, in the narrative, he can only focus on the task that God has asked him to do in verse 10. Moses' insecurities pour out, and he asks God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Moses had tried to intervene in the past, to stand up for his people, but he had failed. So why should it be any different now? And we can often be just the same in our lives. Perhaps God has been calling you to something. Perhaps increasingly, God has put on your heart something that he wants you to do. But perhaps you feel inadequate. Perhaps you feel scared. Perhaps you think that actually so-and-so over there would be a much better choice. We can't expect to see a burning bush to appear every time God wants us to change our job or take on a new role at church. But when we are called, we are to do it as servants of God. It is God at work through us. We are not called to go out alone, to work in our own strength. So in order to reassure poor Moses, God emphasized again that he is not going to be alone. In verse 12, God says, I will be with you. And God gives Moses a sign, a sign that it's all going to work out okay. Because of course, it's bound to work because God is the one doing the work. Stepping out again and looking at the whole Bible picture in this situation, it should be therefore unsurprising for us that at the end of Matthew's Gospel in the New Testament, when Jesus instructs his disciples to take the Gospel to every nation, that once again we get the same promise. 
and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Our God is a God of compassion. He is a God of commission. And finally, he is a God of revelation. He is a God who reveals himself. And we see here how he reveals himself to Moses as the miraculous burning bush that is not consumed and attracts Moses' attention. When God first reveals himself to Moses, he says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. This is the living God speaking. He didn't say, I was the God of Abraham, but I am the God of Abraham. He is the eternal God who gives eternal life to those who follow him. God is saying that he has not changed from what he had been to Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob in those days gone by. He was still the God who keeps his promises, who works through those, his people. God continues to reveal himself in his response to Moses in the question that Moses asks in verse 13. Take a look at verse 13 with me now. Moses says to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? This might seem a bit of a strange question. Name here is more than merely a form of identification. Name implies something more personal, something of his character. Names are very significant in Old Testament times. They hold a lot of meaning. And still today, we're in the habit of giving people names or nicknames, which reveal something about their character. Most of you here know me as Ang Harad. At work, I'm called Harry. And by the three-year-old girl who lives next door to me, my name is Ang Hatton, because when I first met her, I had my hat on. The meaning of my name, Angharad, in Welsh is much loved. And this is why my parents chose to call me by this name. In verse 13 here, Moses is asking, what are you like, God? What kind of God are you? And God replies, I am who I am. This phrase is rather mysterious, and you won't be surprised to hear that it is a subject of countless discussions and pages in the commentaries, which I'm not gonna go into here. But from God's response, there are some important points that God is revealing about himself. I am states that God exists, the one who really is. In other words, the one true God not like the idols that are going to cause so much bother to the Israelites in the rest of Exodus. You will see in the footnotes in your Bibles that I am who I am can also be translated as I will be what I will be, meaning I am who I reveal myself to be. I am who I will be. God is saying, do you want to know what sort of God I am? then watch me in action, hear me speak, stay tuned. 
Moses is being sent out in God's name, despite his weaknesses and protestations. Moses does eventually go before Pharaoh, and he does so in confidence and in strength, because God revealed himself to him here. Moses goes in God's authority, and we too go in strength and confidence, because God is also with us. And as we continue this series through Exodus, this is exactly what we will see. God is known as I am who I will be. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 2, just before the Ten Commandments are given, God identifies himself as I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He is the one who saves, and this is how he is remembered. This is the name he will be remembered by from generation to generation. So who is this God who calls Moses to be his leader? He is a God of compassion, a God of commission, and a God of revelation. So as we come to close in prayer now, let us be thankful that our God is a compassionate God, a God who remembers and keeps his promises, who saves his people, who sent his son to die for us. Let us reflect on whether we are trusting God to work through us or whether we are relying on ourselves or worried that we are not good enough. God works through us despite our insecurities. He can use us, so take heart and be willing servants. And let us seek to learn more about him through his revelation. Let us rejoice that he is a personal God who reveals himself to us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this story of Moses and how you revealed yourself to him, how you called him Lord, and how you are a compassionate God who loves his people. May we take heart that we can know you, that you reveal yourself to us. And Lord, as we continue this study in Exodus, that week by week we learn more and more about you. For your glory. Amen.